0: already heard some amazing reports from people uh, this week, some emails people have sent me and said that they have had a, uh, an unusual encounter with God this week, and he has taken them to depths in their relationship with him that they've never been before. That's the goal, to get past the surface relationship with Jesus and get into a real relationship where you're talking with a friend each day, and he's able to lead and guide you. Today I'm going to be talking about dare, let's see, what are the three dares I have? Dare to pray, dare to dream, and dare to trust. So today is dare to pray, sorry, dare to dream. And um, I came up with this title because of, largely because of COVID in the last couple of years where it seems like our life has just been on hold. It's hard to even plan for next week sometimes, I remember as staff, uh, we were Several weeks into preaching to cameras and an empty congregation, it's it was very depressing. Uh, just focusing on a camera, hoping that you were getting through the electronics into people's homes and into people's hearts. And week by week by week, we were waiting on a, the next pronouncement from our our, our our medical authorities to say you know what can be done. And it was supposed to last a few weeks, maybe a month, not two years. So it's like we put our life on hold. We couldn't really expect, we couldn't plan a vacation. We couldn't go to the hospital, we couldn't have a funeral or a wedding, things like that. And people just indefinitely putting things on hold. And it's like we just stopped everything. And so this idea of you know what? It's okay to start dreaming again. It's okay to start thinking of the future, to have plans. I met a church planter one time who says he dreams a thousand dreams before breakfast. I'm going, "Yeah, I kind of doubt that." <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Or other people actually have difficulty having any vision past lunch, you know. They just uh, they just go day by day by day. Nothing really changes. They just their life is kind of on on in neutral, coasting along, whatever happens happens. They don't want to plan or organize or have they don't see very far in the future. One of my staff people in a former church says, you dream and I'll make it happen. <laughs> I say, okay, I'll keep dreaming and you make it happen because it's, you know, it's, it's, everybody's involved. Some people say, I've always dreamt of going to the Holy Land. And, and I saved and saved and saved and finally I was able to go. And there's nothing wrong with having those kind of dreams or plans or down the road. So a dream is not something that happens this afternoon or, or tomorrow. A dream is impossible for right now and maybe for the next few weeks. Maybe the dream that, that you have or God gives you doesn't happen for years or even decades. But it's still kind of there in the back of your mind. A dream is about the future, just there, out of reach. And sometimes we can't even imagine how the dream will ever, ever ever, come about. So last week I had a lot of verses about nothing, if you recall. Nothing will be impossible for you, those kinds of verses. But today I want to talk about impossible. There's three verses that I want to highlight just as I begin this message. Luke 1.37 says, For with God nothing will be Impossible. So we talked about nothing last time because we can do nothing without him. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And now he's saying, you know what? Without me, nothing will be impossible with God. Luke 18, 27 says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. In Matthew 17, 20, for truly I say to you, Jesus is speaking, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move nothing will be what for who for you so there's a partnership here the same thing with last week in our prayers god is inviting us to a partnership prayer is god saying here's what i want to do and this is what i want you to pray for so when you see it happen you'll know it was me prayer is an invitation to partnering with god to change the destiny of people 's lives, to, to make a difference in their circumstances, to, to bring to bear the whole power of God in, in people 's arena, so that things move in a totally different direction for eternity, and now, in the dreaming part of it, it 's like God has something in mind, and He puts a dream inside your mind, maybe you are a teenager, maybe you 're just a young married person, maybe. Maybe right now there's, there's a dream that's never come true that he put in your, in your mind way back then. And, and you don't think it's ever going to happen. Maybe you gave up on it years ago. But these verses say nothing will be impossible if we believe in what God has put there for us to do. So as Christians, we want God to speak to us. We want to be assured that he hears us when we pray, that he will respond to us as his children. We want him to show us a future. Then for a lot of us, we want a, a different future than what we have right now. Like right now is okay, we're kind of making it, but this isn't where we want to be in 10 years. We have a different place with our family or our job or career or our marriage or different things. We don't want to stay where we are. We want God show me, show me what I can look forward to. When I was a young Pastor, associate pastor in the church um, in Winnipeg, very first church out of seminary. I was the worship pastor, the youth leader, and the discipleship director all in one. And uh, on Wednesday nights, we had choir practice because that's what we still had back then. And I had an organ, and I had a piano, and it was kind of boring. And uh, I did the best. I had contemporary music for my choir kind of thing, but I didn't have a guitar player in the church. I didn't have a drummer. I didn't have a keyboardist, I just had an organ and a piano. I go, God, please, I want to kind of seem modern. Can you send me at least a drummer or a guitar player? Someone to help us kind of break into, you know, what everyone else is doing. Well, the best I could do was a, a accompaniment tracks, like a, a cassette tape that had a background music for your choir to sing to. You know, we did what we could back in the day, Never did get a drummer. Then I eventually I moved overseas, and uh, my drummers kept leaving. We had a high turnover rate in the international church. Every three years, people would leave, be transferred, because the military or um, the uh, international workers were there. And so I finally I taught my son how to play drums, because I needed no, people to stop leaving. <laughs> you are learning drums, and you will always be here as long as I'm here. He got to be quite good, actually. But our worship was quite, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really what I wanted. I was no longer the worship pastor at that time. I was lead pastor. And, um, you know, I have to say, when I come to this church on Sunday mornings, I just, I'm excited about the worship. I'm excited about what's going to happen on this stage. I'm excited about how this team, these teams we have, brings us into God's presence you know it's taken 30 years to reach that dream of being able to walk in and going oh, you know, that mic's too high you know, that feedback you know, and, and someone dropping it's like, you just relax and enjoy what God has for us and 30 years for this dream I don't think there's a better worship happening in Maple Ridge or Pit Meadows than what we see here every Sunday my, my view, my opinion And over the years, we've had lots of dreams. My wife and I have served in about six different churches. We have lots of dreams about strong men's ministries and strong women's ministries and God calling people out from among us to be pastors and missionaries and full-time workers in his kingdom and sending people overseas. Lots of dreams that we have of what God can do through his people if we seek and serve, serve him. And sometimes our dreams as a couple, were very simple, you know, like we, just, we dream that we could pay our bills at the end of the month you know, just earn enough money that we can pay, pay the bills and have a little left over to save for a vacation in the summertime. I mean, that was as big of a dream as we could have. Now then, we had three kids, we dream that they'll finish college and not have lots of debt. We dream that they will marry godly spouses and uh, be called together to serve him in whatever kind of vocation that he has for them. You know, we, 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 we have these dreams as a couple, and... Uh, I, I admire the immigrant people that have come here from other nations. They've fled often, very difficult situations, and there was no future for if they stayed in their country. And I've talked with some even recently. And they come to a brand new country like Canada, and they have this dream of, of not being oppressed, of, of being able to call the policemen, not having to bribe them to get justice, of having court systems that are fair to the people that, that stand before them, of not being afraid every time you walk down the street, of of having a life where your kids can grow up and have an education. This is their dream, and it takes generations to see these kind of dreams come true. Then there's those who don't dare to dream. They have little hope for change or have just always been disappointed. Every time they tried to break out of the ruts they were in, they resigned themselves to just being content, just coasting along in life, hoping... Things don't get too difficult. Struggling with the marriage, challenging kids. Sometimes they have a lifeless church, but that's all they know, so they just stay the course. Don't dream. Don't think of anything different. It's easy to give up and to coast and not not make an effort, not to dare to dream. And if that describes anyone here today, hopefully today things will start to change. So who were the dreamers in the Bible? Joseph? Not Joseph uh, of the coat of many colors, but Joseph, Jesus' dad. He had several dreams that saved the life of his son, dreams that saved the life of his wife, dreams that protected his family. And uh, God just kept coming to him, giving dreams, giving him information, things that he needed to do in the future so that his whole family would be taken care of in a very strong way. He established a home in Nazareth. He just kept... I, Joseph was a simple guy, hard-working guy, carpenter, worked with his hands. Just a, a Probably he was good at what he did, but, you know, he heard from God. He listened to God, and he saved his family. Daniel of the Old Testament saw a future that God would bring about, saw the destruction of empires and destiny of mankind, saw how God was engineering circumstances where answered prayer was coming. And a lot of what Daniel dreamed, he never saw happen. Like these were empire after empire after... These were hundreds and hundreds of years after he had these dreams that it came true, but you know it came true. God showed him what was going to happen, and it happened. What about Peter? Peter had a vision or a dream that showed him that God was going to do some new things. God was taking down the barriers between between the Jews and the Gentiles and he needed to break Peter out of his traditional thinking into a new way of thinking, into God's way of thinking. God gave Peter a dream and a vision for what was about to happen. He was going to shake everything loose that Peter was familiar with. There were no churches, really. This was just, everything was about to happen in an amazing way and God said, Peter, heads up. (laughs) you're about to be blown away what I'm going to be doing so often we need God to put a new vision in our mind and let God give us a picture for what he wants to do in our family or our marriage or our ministry something you might feel is impossible at the moment so can we trust God to fulfill what he shows you he wants to do in and through your circumstances can you trust God God is he trustworthy anyone? So have you experienced God's coming through with his promises for you? Have you has he answered your prayers anyone? So what we're we're looking for here in this church is God's dream. His vision, his revelation for what he wants to accomplish. Back in the Proverbs 29:18 it says where there's no vision, people perish. And I know a better translation is where there's no revelation of God, people will cast off restraint. In other words, when when there's no road map ahead, when God doesn't show what he's up to, people just go their own way. They do their own thing. They just chase after their own desires. So we're saying, God, we don't want to be just chasing after desires and chasing after our willed future and our destiny and having 15-year long-range plans of what we think you ought to do for us, God. Would you pull back the curtain and show us what you're up to? Would you reveal to us as, his, as your people what you want to accomplish through MRAC in the next 10 years? Day at a time. We don't need to know need, 20 years down the road. You know, uh, six months would be great. <laughs> Just help us know we're, we're developing our budget right now as a church. It's, the new budget starts 1st of August. What does God want us to do? We need to put our money where his revelation is. <laughs> God, show us what you want to accomplish through us. 1970, my dad responded to God's call. He was pastoring in Southern California in a little town called Downey, not that far from Anaheim where, where Disneyland is. In fact, I learned it was across the highway from Compton. I grew up near Compton. I think that's a cool thing. I'm not sure. But uh, 1970, my dad felt it was time to go back home to Canada. And the only church that was available at the time, or the one that was, he was directed to, was Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Okay, just picture a little blonde-haired, buzz-cut, tanned little boy, surrounded by palm trees and ocean waves, going to Saskatoon in April. <laughs> we didn't own snow boots and gloves and parkas. We had Southern California shorts and t-shirts. We froze. We <laughs> froze. In fact, I, 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 I shouldn't go too long because we're going the service is going to go long anyway. But I remember in second grade, I told my teacher, I'm going to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. <laughs> and she she pulled the map. You know, back in the day, they had all these maps they pulled down. They were hanging from the ceiling and they came in front of the chalkboards. And she pulled a map of North America and here is America with a pink and green states and, and, and yellow and blue. And then there's this... parallel thing up here and everything above that was white (laughs) and she goes you're going right there I thought God are you there it's only white up there So when we arrived in April of 1970, there was 15 people in the church. That was the total membership left. And my dad, I hope nobody's listening from Saskatoon, but (laughs) he described them as the distilled essence of why the church had failed. (laughs) The income was $30 the month before we got there. And um, it was a white box of a building, flat roof, and it had a, a zigzag crack down the entire side of the stucco on the building. It flooded every springtime, so you had to go ahead of, an hour ahead, mop up the water in the basement, and by the time your Sunday school was done, it had already come back <laughs> again. You couldn't open the doors because the overhang in the front of the doors was dropping down so low, just catch on the... That's where we came to. So, and my mother was thinking, I'm a missionary. <laughs> I'm a missionary in a foreign land with people... Oh, God help us. So, I don't know if my dad had a dream or a vision or what it was, but his, his verse comes out of Daniel. My God who is able. My God who is able will help us, will guide us, will lead us. And he just, he will do it. We just need to follow. After 12 years of him serving in that church, and many of you know the story of experiencing God, they planted 30 mission churches. They sent 100 people into, called into ministry. They started a Bible school in that little church to train and equip future pastors and church leaders. They had a strong ministry on the University of Saskatchewan campus. They had five full-time staff. And um, after 12 years, with my father and my family experience, Dad was called to another position out here in B.C. actually as as like a superintendent for the denomination. And uh, what God did there kept pulling back the curtain wider and wider and my dad just kept helping the church walk walk through the next step, walk through the next opportunity. And what he has done is turned into a book called Experiencing God. It has gone around the world and encouraged many, many people about what God can do when he reveals to his people what's on his heart. So how big is your God? Are you okay? Are you, are, you, are you ready to start dreaming? Sometimes we kind of put dream on hold, and now it's kind of like, it's time to turn that back on. It's time to ask God, what's on your heart for me, God? What's on your heart for my family, God? What's on your heart for my church, God? Show me what you're wanting to do. Maybe you think 12 years is a long time. I don't know if I can hold on to a dream that long. I can tell you whenever God gives you a dream or a vision, it's well worth holding on to. What do you think if Joshua had quit marching around the walls of Jericho after the sixth time going, this is stupid. (laughs) I'm going home. We're going back to the wilderness. Maybe Egypt will let us back in. You know, we had jobs there at least. But he went the seventh time, even though it was dumb. And he saw the walls of Jericho. That, that was the test of whether or not they were going to go to the promised land. If he didn't get through Jericho, there's no promised land. That was, the, that was the doorway to the promised land. He went seven times. He got the victory. What if Naaman washed himself in the Jordan River only six times instead of seven required by Elisha to be healed of leprosy? What if he said, I, <laughs> leprosy, everything is falling off of me. No, that's I'm not half the man I used to be. No, that's an old joke. Sorry. If he had washed himself six times instead of seven, he would have gone home diseased and died early, thinking that there is no God, that the God of the Jews was ineffective and and not powerful, yet he did it exactly as God had said, seven times, and he was clean and given life. What about the Apostle Paul if he decided to retire from missionary work after his second journey? Maybe it's getting too hard. Maybe his back hurts at night. Maybe he just didn't get much sleep because of the times he's been stoned and thrown in prison. Maybe it's time to find a little villa on the Mediterranean with a private beach and just enjoy life. But he he went to the third missionary journey. He went the third time, and he was able then to stand before Caesar in Rome. He was then able to write the letters to Corinth and Rome and Ephesus and Colossae and Philippi and to Timothy and to Titus. If he had to quit... Instead of fulfilling the dream that God had given him and the vision for ministry that God had given him, we would be we would be poorer as Christians for all time because of the letters he would not have written. You know, I think God is big enough to handle our doubt. God is big enough to handle our fears, and God is big enough to show us something that we can we can go for as a family, as a church, in our marriage, as a couple. You got dreams for your kids. Not that they'll be $200,000 income, but that they'll make an impact in the world, that they'll make a difference in the world. Do you have dreams for your family to make a difference where you are, to to serve God with your family together? Do you have dreams for your company? How can you be a blessing through your ministry, through your company, through your organization? I do think that there are some dream blockers out there, things that stop a dream, things that. God is not prepared to give you a dream because you can't handle it right now. For example, one is lack of character. If you're not a trustworthy person, if you say you're going to show up and help out and you find something better to do, if you're not faithful to what God has called you to do, if you haven't really fully surrendered to God, you're not faithful. If you're selfish or proud, there's a lot of things that can inhibit God giving us a dream because we're not ready to hear what God wants to do. We're not in the right place. He's looking for... Complete surrender. He's looking for faithfulness for a heart for God. He's not going to move past our character and give us something big to go for until we're ready to receive it. Second is the lack of faith. You know, we can stop believing God can do anything. We can think that we face what we face is too hard for him. And God is saying, How big do you think I am? Don't you think that that's a small thing for me to do? Well, you don't know that person, God. Yeah, I do, actually. I know their heart. And I know that in a month's time, they're going to be desperate to hear some word of hope and some word of truth from one of my people. You don't know the future. I do. Trust me. Well, the third is lack of prayer. Like, if you're never coming before God, seeking Him, you're going to miss out on the dreams He has for you, for your your family and your future. Prayer, the quote is from Elizabeth Elliott. She says, Prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between His will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen, and we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. The prayer is God's way of partnering again with us in a way that brings glory back to Him. Max Lucado says this Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Start praying now, even if you don't really know how. It doesn't matter. You're talking to a big God who understands. So when you look at the Bible, you see um, a record of God's activity. You see what God did through people, how he has his way, how he accomplishes amazing things in his kingdom. And uh, that's how it should be, but... Uh, I'm going to diverge just a little bit, because, and I, this is an unusual sermon. And I pray, I prayed earlier today that no one misunderstands or misinterprets what I'm going to, to say next. Uh, and I will try and explain it as clearly as I can. But I was shaken recently by a cartoon and a brief write up that I saw. It's a, a Christian magazine. Um, <laughs> when you see the cartoon at the very bottom on the left, it says Naked Pastor. And what that means is pastors need to get to the place where they strip all the non-essentials away. Holding to the core of who we are as Christians. Getting rid of all the extraneous things and finding what is is the solid foundation that we need. So I'm going to put this uh, cartoon up and I'll read what it says below. It's a person talking to Jesus who's crying and it says... All I was taught my whole life was that I should only want what you wanted, so I never knew what I wanted because I wasn't allowed to want anything except what you wanted, and now I still don't know what I want, and I feel super guilty whenever I even consider wondering what I want in life. Then it says, written by David Hayward, former pastor turned businessman, he says, What do you want? He said, I read business books, and they all say one thing. What do you want? When I left the ministry, I had no idea what to do. A mentor says, David, what do you want? And I couldn't answer. He says, I I, I didn't know what I wanted. My religious devotion was so deep that I lost touch with myself and my desires. I had no idea what I wanted. You also know this is, if you've been as serious about church and belief as I have, you've experienced this. If you were taught that you had to serve and sacrifice and suffer, To live a full Christian life, you might not know what you want either. He said, I I wasn't allowed to want anything because it was selfish. The only question was, what does God want? And what, what I want was just as greedy or worldly or disobedient and hurtful to the Lord. So when I said in exasperation, I don't know what I want. He said, I had to figure it out. Well, I felt sinful even considering it. Now I know what I want. And I don't feel guilty about it. It's good to want. It's human to want. I'm in touch with my desires and my feelings, and I'm not ashamed of it, ashamed of it. And I, I no longer allow beliefs to silence me or shut me down. So I, I don't know. Uh, when I, when I read that, uh, I asked myself, what do I want? And I had to say, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in a in a home that was like a missionary home. Secondhand things were just fine, you know. The the used clothes you got, they were in style at one point, you know. Um, you don't need new things. You got stuff that still works. Why replace something that works, even though it's kind of old and yellow now and should have been white a long time ago. And, uh, you know, we drove used cars. We had cars that we had, to, you know, would die occasionally. You just had to push start them and pop the clutch, and there you go. I mean, what's a big deal? Doesn't everyone have to do that? I grew up in a scarcity mentality, a missionary mentality that just says, you, don't, you, don't, you shouldn't be wanting stuff. And I, I tried it a few times, asking my parents for a new jacket or different things. They said, well, we can't really afford that right now. So I just stopped asking. Because it was not, you, you get tired of hearing no. And so when I got married, I came into the marriage with this scarcity missionary mentality of, you know, things are good enough. I can, I, I, you know, I got duct tape and bailing wire. I can make just about anything keep going for a long time. Uh, extend the life! And, uh, and what, my wife grew up in a different kind of a home, and, and she had a, a swimming pool, and there, when I went to Christmas at their place. was like 75 or 85 presents just stacked under the tree. We're like, this is overwhelming. Like, we got two on Christmas Day growing up. So uh, she, she, when I showed her this, she says, that explains it. <laughs> so we, we bought a place in Abbotsford and um, uh, finally have a home of our own. That we, But it was built in 96 and it's got the linoleum from then and some carpet from then. We're, and she starts to say, you know, we should really upgrade the flooring and we should really, you know, change out the, uh, the kitchen. You know, cabinets and the... And I'm going to ching, and you know, and the, the appliances to ching cha ching, and and and, and, uh, and I'm thinking they all still work. I mean, the cabinet. Look at the door; it it opens and it closes. <laughs> I and mean, she's got the home style magazines and the and the nude looks and the color codes, and 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 she, and, and I was going, you know, the, the fridge. I know the fridge is awkward, and we can't even put stuff in it and all that good stuff. Well, it'd be lovely to have a new fridge. I go, Ja, ching ching and so finally, God, God came to me and said, "Tom," and I said, "Yes." <laughs> and he, he said, "It's okay. Let her have something nice." And I'm going, but God, he says, "No. I mean, seriously, let her have something nice. It's okay." And uh, but I thought, you know, we we just have a certain amount of money and in our savings account, and, and all I can see is, is, is contractor after contractor coming through and handing me bill after bill after bill and having to go into line of credits and all that kind of stuff, and he says, it's okay, Tom, just let her have something nice, and, but while he was talking to me, God was also talking to her. I mean, she had got the, the, the designers to come in, did mock-ups, what it would be, and being look beautiful, the colors look amazing, the flooring, the cabinets, take this one away, put one over here. It's like, wow, that's really, that's really cool. But then she came to me and said, Tom, I've been really praying. And that's the thing about my wife, like she just spends all this time praying and hearing from God, and she said, God said, it's okay for plan B. And I said, what do you mean? She says, well, you know, I think we could probably paint the cabinets, not have to replace them all, and... We can probably just get a, another thing to put there. And we could probably afford to do the, 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 the flooring then a different way. We don't have to go into debt. We're not that kind of person to just you know, <laughs> blend all this money. Of, and I'm going, thank you, thank you, God. But, you know, what I realized is there's, there's really never a time where I didn't know what my wife wanted or what she dreamed about for me. I just make things happen. She tells me what we need to do, and we can go on that vacation, or we go on that that place, or we do this. I'm the facilitator of the dream, but I wasn't the dreamer. And, uh, you know, she said to me in our conversation, and and this is just being honest with you all, she said, Tom, uh, we've never had a particularly easy life. Ministry hasn't been smooth sailing over the years. And Ministry has been a lot of work and it's taken a toll on our family and we've done without and we've made do for a long time. And she said, if I don't have my dreams of what the future could be like, I don't know if I would have survived some of those years we went through. The dreams carried her through to where we could be one day. The dreams carried her through. They were, they were what buoyed her up when everything was trying to push her down and and it's just struck me. I, I, it's okay to dream. In fact, we, we must dream. It gives us life. It gives us hope for the future. It tells us that God has a plan. And he wants to work through us to help us to realize that you know, this life can be so exciting. It can be so amazing if we just trust him in the future. C.S. Lewis says, You are never old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. John Barrymore said, "A man is not old until his regrets take the place of his dreams. So I want to ask you a question. What do you want? No limits. What do you want? To live past a diagnosis? To see wayward kids come back to the Lord? To go on a mission trip one day to Thailand? To dream a dream of what could be? The caveat in this, of course, is Proverbs 69. In his heart, it says, A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. I believe God gives us dreams. And he wants to do things in and through us and around us. Psalm 37, 4, says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. But you've got to delight yourself in the Lord. We've got to let him direct our footsteps. But he puts the dreams out there because he doesn't want us to be satisfied and content with this. He says and I'm coming back soon. And you're not going to have another chance. Those people you, you, you want to lead to the Lord or share your faith with or one day you know try to make a difference, You know, time's short. Let me help you underway with that. I'm not talking about having perfect health or a load of wealth. I'm talking about living a life, enjoying the journey, caring for yourself so there's more of you to care for others. Go to the holy land. You know, buy that little boat that you want to take your grandkids out and spend time with them the key and I won't always quote from Oprah Winfrey sorry for those of you are offended by that name she says the key to realizing a dream is to focus not on success but on significance it caught my attention it's not about success it's about significance and I think that's what God is looking for as he gives us a dream and a vision for the future is significance so yesterday, uh, Saturday, Friday and Saturday, we had a, a, a missions conference here in the basement of the old building. And we're talking about, you know, what can be, what can God do through this church to impact the world? We're not just talking about neighborhood and community and city, but the world. And I was, uh, John Kenny reminded us, he says, we're sitting in a building that used to be a dream of other people. We used to be in a little white church over there by the cemetery, you go down Dooney Trunk, look at the white, tall white church on the right side of the road. That's where this congregation used to be. Someone had a dream, and that building was done. Someone had a dream. Where you're sitting is the, the results of other people's dreams. How many of you were in that first white building that are still here and that did the renovations, that, that did the painting? How many of you were in this old building over here? When it happened. Sixty years they've been dreaming and seeing God come through. My question is, what legacy will we leave to those that are coming after us? Because we had the dream. What impact will we leave to others? Because we dreamed a dream that God brought about in his way. Acts chapter 2 Peter is preaching to a bunch of people in Jerusalem who had just seen and heard the Holy Spirit come upon the people. And he says this. He's quoting from the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants. Both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Prophesy is to tell forth what God's going to do. What he's going to do. So, if you were some of those senior people in this congregation that were a part of either the old first building or the next old building, would you stand up? Ready, go. Stay up. Stay stay up. Uh, I didn't say sit down. <laughs> if you are a young man or a young woman, and God is pouring out his spirit, would you stand up? If you're a middle-aged or an older person, in other words, everyone else, <laughs> if you're a man or a woman, would you stand up? I dare you to dream. I dare you to let God put in his, your heart what's on his mind. I dare you to say, okay, God, I'm tired of doing things my way. I want to do things your way. It's not working out so well the way I planned it. I want to know how you planned it. God, show me what's on your heart. Show me the revelation of your truth for my destiny. Where you, It may be decades before it happens, but you know it will. Stay faithful, stay true. Father God, these people are your people. And I pray, Father, that through your spirit, you'll put a dream in their heart. That together we will accomplish amazing things, Father, when people look back and see this day, they will say it all started because we decided to let God put a dream in our heart to see this church making a difference in this community, in this city, and around the world. Father, you never did stop your commands to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations. Show us how, God. Show us how to raise people up from among us that are called into missions and ministries. Show us how to train our, our workers to say, let's go. Let's go do a project in Zimbabwe. Let's go do a project in Australia. Let's go be a blessing because of what is God here, and let's take the gospel with us as we do. Father, may this church be an exciting place. May we Be run off our feet trying to keep up with the activity of your spirit among us. May you protect us with unity, oneness of heart and mind as we go. This is my prayer in Christ's name. Amen.